Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is my new friend Jelena, who joins me from the Netherlands, but she's originally from Serbia, and like many of us here in the About Abroad audience, she eventually made her way to a foreign country, and now that she's established in the Netherlands, she's actually started a business helping other people navigate those bureaucratic waters of moving to a foreign country. So today we dive into her experience moving to the Netherlands, what her thoughts are culturally, and bureaucratically and all the things that you might want to know if you're considering a move to Holland. It's one of those countries that just works as we get into. And there's a lot of reasons to want to move there, but there's also a lot of intricacies that you might want to consider if it's a place that's on your list. So we'll dive into all that with Jelena today. I really enjoyed this. I hope you all will as well. Please help me in welcoming Jelena to About Abroad. So wait, you're telling me that the Netherlands does not end up high on this index of the easiest countries to settle into? Or how, how do you verbalize this? Uh, yeah, there's an ease of settling in index, apparently. That is, it's something new I just learned about just before we've uh, sit down to talk about this today. And um, they ranked 53 countries by the ease of settling in for expats. And what they take into account is like the culture and how easy it is to feel welcome and then the local friendliness and then how easy it is to find friends. And the Netherlands in all of those categories ranks at about 40-ish, you know, out of 53 countries, which is not amazing, is it? <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. And I, I think... I think the reason is I'm my my uh, perception might be skewed a little bit because um, I mean like you you know I've moved from one country to another and I've done it a few times so I've lived in a few different places and when I visited the Netherlands and or uh, lived in a place where I have there's a lot of Dutch people around me I I end up having like a lot of friends a lot of great conversations I feel like they're very like forward thinking they're direct and stuff but like there's a there's a welcoming aspect to that. Um, not not so like familiar and close minded um, to where like it's impossible to break through that barrier. But that's been my experience. But I don't know, maybe you've had a different one or apparently other people surveyed in this index have. <laughs> yeah, well, if we take into account that the first countries on the list are like Mexico, Brazil and Panama, I think. Um, we can share this link so people can take a look at it in depth um, and see the sources and, and all of those other details. But I think it might also be a cultural thing um, because, you know, if, you, if we go by those stereotypes, you know, the Latin cultures are so much warmer and like easier to party with and be spontaneous. I have to admit there isn't a lot of spontaneity in the Netherlands. It's like everybody has their own little agenda and a little book with, uh, you know, how they plan 
things. And even if you're going to meet up with Dutch friends, they are going to open their little agenda and say three weeks from now on Saturday at 2 p.m. And that's going to be precisely 2 p.m. on Saturday in three weeks from now. So like not five past two, it's going to be two. Um, Don't be late. (laughs) Yeah, don't be late if you're meeting up with Dutch people. However, for me personally, so I come from Serbia. And if you are moving from any country in the Balkans um, to Germany, Austria, Netherlands, whatever, you know, Western Europe, the first thing people are going to tell you is like, oh, my God, the people are so cold there. You're not going to know your neighbors. You're not going to be able to have any friends. It's going to be awful. And for me, the experience has been completely, you know, the opposite of that as well. Um, I have the most amazing neighbors. I know all of them by name. I talk to all of them. Like it's, I, I, I have not had that in Serbia, to be honest. Um, and in Serbia, I've lived in a bigger city. In the Netherlands, I'm in a smaller town that has a little bit of a village vibe. So I think that also contributes. But most of my neighbors are Dutch. So they're not, I can't say, oh, I live among expats and internationals. So that's why we have like this lovely community. No, Um Dutch people, you know, a Dutch neighbor is going to say hi, and they're always going to ask you, how are you? And the answer is always going to be honest. If my neighbor is not doing well, they're going to tell me, oh, I'm having an awful day. It's like, this is crap, or it's raining, or, you know, something's not quite going right. Where I think in some other countries, you might, like, if someone asks you, how are you doing, that it's going to be, oh, fine, no matter what's happening, you know, that's the default answer. That's not the default answer here. And I think that helps have better conversations. The other thing is your Dutch neighbors are going to be very curious and very much in your business. (laughs) So they notice everything, they see everything, they know what's going on. And uh, that was a little shocking for me because in our previous apartment where we lived, it was a rental and a wonderful lady lived under us on the um, first floor. And she had a problem in her bathroom. There was something clogged and she thought it came from us uh, because that made the most sense. And she came to our apartment. She was like, oh, can I take a look if like there's any clogs in your um, drain and like if everything's working fine and we opened the water and like everything was just going and everything was perfect. And she was like, yeah, well, I don't think it's from the problem is coming from your end. You guys haven't even showered like since Saturday either way. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, we haven't, but, you know, it's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, so they, they are a little bit in your business. <laughs> I oh, have that's to say that. so good. That, that actually brings up a really funny thing I noticed in uh, my wife and I were walking around in Amsterdam a couple years ago, and we kept walking by these, like, you know, beautiful row houses that people live in, and it was about dinner time. Um, which was, we were living in Spain. So this was like a late lunchtime for us. It was like 5.30 and everybody was inside eating dinner, but all the drapes are open and you can see into everybody's windows and you're like at street level. So, I mean, there are living rooms right there, you know, and, and you feel feel like you could reach out and like grab something off the table from these families. But I thought it was really, it was odd to us at first, but it was also really cool and like, opening like hey yeah we're just we're here having dinner you know i i don't know what the what the is there some kind of do you do you know what i'm talking about first of all and then do you know if there's yeah, some reason absolutely. for this absolutely and it's sort of it's it reminds me of voyeurism every time i'm like i should not be looking because it, it is a little rude to look 
obviously like you're not going to stare and all of that, but I want to see, you know, you have a beautiful house. You have, you know, what are you eating? It's hard today? not to look. I mean, let's be honest. It's hard not to look It's hard. It's very hard. Um, so no one's going to judge you if you, you know, take a glance, obviously. It's just the culture of like openness and transparency. And on the other hand, I don't know what they have against drapes. I love drapes. I can't live without them. Um. <laughs> Maybe it's like you only get so much sunshine. Let's not like block any of it out. You know, if we get some sunshine, let's come in. <laughs> that for sure, because, you know, um, a typical Dutch house or an apartment will have huge, huge windows, which is an amazing thing. Um, I think it helps... So for me, I really thought when we moved, everybody said, oh, it's, winter is going to start. You're going to get so depressed. It's going to be awful. Um, I don't have that problem, really, because there's every other day, there's going to be some sunshine and you have so much light and it's still, I don't know, people are going about their business if it's raining, if it's snowing, if the wind is terrible. Like nobody's like, oh my God, it's raining. Let's cancel all our plans. No, you just put your raincoat on and you're going to get out. Um, so I think that that's what makes it easier for me at least. And I know there are people who absolutely cannot get used to this. There are people who love the sun and the beach and they really need to be in a place that gives them that, you know, 300 days per year. The Netherlands has 130 or something like that rainy days per year on average, which doesn't sound like a lot. I mean, it's a third of the year. But also, apart from those days, you also get days where it's not raining, but you go outside and you're wet. Um, I don't know how you call that. <laughs> like, what kind of... A... Just a dampness. <laughs> yeah, but it, like, you know, we, uh, my husband and I have a running joke when, like, we check the forecast and we go outside and all of a sudden we're wet and we're like, oh, well, fortunately, it's not raining because the forecast says it's not raining. So, like, it's good. We're, we're definitely not getting soaked here. <laughs> I I think it's a really interesting point, though, about the um, like, like you said, like, you know, if it's raining, things aren't going to shut down. And and, you know, it's the idea that uh, being like a more direct culture is somehow more a more closed culture, um, because like I'm drawing on some comparisons to to Spain there, for example. So like um, people will say in Spain, like people are super friendly and outgoing and welcoming and all of that is very true, but it's also very hard to break past the surface level a little bit sometimes and like get into the, to the family dynamic because people tend to stay closer to home. They tend to have very long, uh, deep rooted relationships with people. And it's kind of, it's just kind of hard to break into that circle. You might get invited over to the table for a drink and tapas and have a wonderful afternoon, but to get invited over to dinner is going to take a long time. And so that's a, that's an interesting thing. And then also like, uh, th that I've found to be different with my Dutch friends or when I've been in the Netherlands before, like you can, you can actually develop that deep relationship pretty soon because people are pretty direct. It's like, Hey, we hit it off. Yeah. Come on in. You're in the circle. And then the other thing is like with the weather. So like living in Valencia, Spain, where there are a ton of Dutch people, by the way, because they are escaping that weather and coming for the 330 days of sunshine. Um, but when it rains, everything shuts down. Like I've seen signs on restaurants where they're like closed for rain. <laughs> and you're like, it's, it's just raining. <laughs> like, and, uh, and, but the whole, the whole city is based on like, you know, and the whole culture is based on being outside. And so when you do have bad weather, it really is like an apocalypse. It's like, what, what do we do? 
Um, so there's something to be said for like, you know, adapting in, in that way, I guess. Sure. No, that's definitely true. And I think if you're a person if, and like, you know, you need sun to survive and not like just vacation sun, but you need it on a daily basis. I have friends who are like that and they could never come live here on a daily basis. They know that would kill them. Um, so yeah, don't come to the Netherlands if that's the case, because it, here, even if you go to the beach, there's obviously sea, there's, you know, beautiful sandy beaches and all of that you most of the time you need a jacket on the beach because it's like so windy and so cold so that does not stop the dutch people from taking a dip um yeah i could not do that but i i'm not that assimilated to be honest (laughs) well that that actually brings me to a good question so like you i you mentioned earlier you're from serbia um and now obviously live in the netherlands and you help people relocate and get settled in the in the Netherlands, which we're obviously going to spend some time on because there's a lot of people interested in that subject. Despite what we've been talking about here for a few minutes, uh, it's an amazing place to live with a lot of advantages. Uh, I have even said many times on this show that um, it's a place that I hope I'll spend some time living in the uh, at, at some point in my life because I, I really do love it there for a variety of reasons. So we'll get into all that, but I would love to hear a little bit about your backstory, like coming from Serbia to Netherlands, some of the push-pull factors that that caused you to relocate there and um, and a bit about your experience making that, that transition. Yeah, so I'm always a little jealous when I hear people from the European Union being like, oh, where do we move? You know, shall I go to Spain or shall I go to, you know, France or where do I go to live? We don't have that luxury uh, coming from Serbia with a Serbian passport. It's like it takes a lot of effort to get anywhere. So um, if you do want to get out of the country, which a lot of people do, uh, then it's it's a game of like what what is the easiest one I could get into. Um, for my husband and for me, we did really did not want to move from Serbia. Um, all of our friends and family are there and we've been working for international companies remotely for a very long time. And it's just with that type of an income, it's very easy to live in Serbia in, in some aspect. And then a couple of years ago in the middle of the pandemic, uh, there were these uh, protests against the government that and it seemed like, OK, finally, something is going to change in this country because the system just does it does not work. And the system is really not there for the individual. Obviously, we can talk about, you know, politics and uh, political systems, and they're not perfect in any country. Like, that's impossible to find a place where everything's going to be working amazingly. Um, But for us at that point, our hopes caught up like, oh my God, something is going to change and we will be able to see our future here. And then those protests kind of got squashed in the ugliest way possible, kind of from the inside. They imploded on themselves and we were like, yeah, you know, this was our signal to get out. Um, We were fortunate enough that my husband had a residency in the Netherlands because of um, a part of his family uh, lives here. And he just kind of had it just in case, to be honest. (laughs) And at that point, we were like, okay, we're using that. It took us about six months to actually prepare and to move. We started preparing in September and we moved in April. Um, So the complicated part was that I needed to get a residency permit because... um, I had no other basis to be here except for being his partner. Um, So I had to pass a Dutch exam in Serbia at the embassy, uh, which is just a level A1. That's not too bad. It's basically they want to make sure that you 
can learn the language if you want to. And they also want to make sure you're not kind of a problematic person because one part of the exam is um, knowledge of the society. And there they basically ask you, um, is it okay to beat your wife? Um, are women allowed to wear whatever they want in the street? Is it okay uh, to be homosexual and that type of stuff? And then you say yes and no. <laughs> so I think it's kind of just a very basic screening that you're going to be kind of compatible with the society, uh, which I find very interesting. Uh, but yeah, I got my residency permit and we moved in April. Um, and since then, so it's been a little over two years. I've changed jobs. We bought an apartment last year, which sounds like a very, you know, definitive thing. Like you're staying there forever, but it isn't. You can sell the apartment whenever you want. <laughs> it's fine. Nothing is permanent. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, and now I also started the business. Um, so yeah, we can also talk about like the ease of starting a business in the Netherlands, especially as compared to Serbia. Um, and I'm also sure you having lived in Spain and in Greece, you understand how difficult bureaucracy can be. And that's one of the things that sold me on the Netherlands, to be honest, bureaucracy is simpler, a lot simpler, a lot more straightforward. I think I have like trauma from Serbian bureaucracy because every time you go, you're going to be missing one piece of paper. Uh, you're going to get yelled at. Uh, you're going to spend two hours longer than you need on like getting something super simple sorted out. Like for perspective, when we were getting ready to move and we were looking into like all the paperwork we need to bring um, or for the visa or whatever. And there was one thing on the Serbian website saying this is the process you need to follow. And then I'm like, well, I'm not going to, you know, come there and be dumb. Like I'm going to call them and check. And I call them and they tell me a different thing. So I prepare for that different thing. And then I go and then it's actually a completely third thing that I need. And it costs a different amount and like I need to go to a different place. Um, and I brought that trauma with me to the Netherlands. So every time I need to go to the municipality or anywhere, I'm fully ready to be yelled at. And then I'm always in shock that I did not get yelled at. Um, and it's like, okay, you're miss missing like a specific document. They're like, oh, okay, here's an email address. Like when you have it, please just send it over. Shock. Every time, like complete shock. <laughs> I, I have a Portuguese friend that lives in the Netherlands now, and we were talking about this recently. And he said, I believe his like exact words were, the lack of Dutch bureaucracy is nothing short of amazing. <laughs> and I was like, man, you really put some thought into that. And he's like, no, seriously. He's like, the systems are integrated. It's so quick and easy. He's like, for it's for that reason that he's not sure he could actually move back. He, he thinks he would like overall have a, a better quality of life in, in Portugal, but he's so uh, now like kind of addicted to the, the convenience of doing things. And I can, I mean, I can relate to this. Like, you know, a lot of, I'm from the US where we make doing like one thing we have our flaws for sure. But one thing we make doing make really easy is doing business. Like in general, systems are good. You things are automated. Things are, uh, you know, virtual first as much as you possibly can be in the, in a lot of different ways. I mean, it's again not perfect, but we do make doing business really easy, and the whole system is set up to facilitate that. And so when you want to start a company 
or you want to change your address on something like a lot of these things can just be done so easily and it's not like going to be super bureaucratic but living in latin american countries or living in spain or looking into moving to other countries uh, i found there to be like it's like so cumbersome websites are out of date uh, everybody that you talk to has a different answer if you can even talk to someone you end up spending a lot of time in line you end up walking around to get physical stamps on paperwork and when you think like this should just be emailed or downloadable or something. Um, and so that is super frustrating, especially as a foreigner. Like it's like it's because you're going to have to do way more of this than you ever would have if you had just stayed home. Um, and, and so it's a it's a very real thing. And that's why, like when people told me when people ask me, like, oh, would you recommend moving to the Netherlands? My answer is always like it depends on your priorities in life. What matters to you right now? What kind of a life do you want? You wake up in the morning. What does your day look like? And what is it that you want to be worried about? Like you're going to have challenges and problems wherever you live. It's just like, which problems do you actually want to solve and which ones do you not? Um, and yeah, that's how we decided to come here. And that's why we decided to stay because with our first rental agreement, we just said, hey, let's make sure we can back out of this contract in six months. And then if we don't like it, let's just get out of here. I don't care. You know, we spent all of this money to move. We spent all of this money on paperwork. Doesn't matter. We kept our rental apartment in Serbia. We were like, we can just go back. It's going to be very easy. But that thought really never crossed our minds. Um, and yeah, that means it's like, for me, this is the right place to be right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, you know, something, something that jumped out at me about your, your transition story there is like the fact that they do that test that you were talking about and, and what is so interesting, like that sounds like a very simple thing, but it really speaks to like how forward thinking they are because a lot of countries are really just interested in your money. Like they just want to know, do you have enough money to sustain yourself? And are you going to contribute something to the economy? It's, and, and I'm sure, you know, I know the Netherlands isn't completely, uh, bypassing that when when they're looking at immigration but the fact that they have this test that's like <laughs> the the fact that there's this test that's like hey do you are you going to integrate into our forward thinking at least not backwards thinking society and uh by asking those questions they seem obvious to you and i um but but to uh you know a fairly large percentage of the population they might check no in some of those boxes and um and there's and there's something special about that i think yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's far from it that there's, you know, zero discrimination in the Netherlands and you're not ever going to encounter any type of racism or any type of different, you know, unpleasant situations. Um, but I think it's such a mix of different people and different cultures and different everything that it's um, actually a friend of mine uh, described it perfectly. She moved from Armenia or from Russia recently um and two years ago actually the same time as me a few months later and she said i was always a black sheep wherever i was and now i came here to a place where there are so many other black sheep that we were a pretty cool flock together and i think that describes it perfectly that's really well yeah. said i i feel i feel that i mean that's part of the pull there for me too like i mean I get that, uh, you know, Amsterdam is a city, for example, that many people have visited or done a, a weekend in, and it has a stereotype that comes with it. Um, but like, the I can party. just say, for, 
yeah, yeah. You, people think of it as it, a party it's just city a party, and, right yeah, yeah and it's like well when you get outside that little that the center center of town um and you get into some of these old other neighborhoods uh it feels to me feels more like like brooklyn or or something like that like i love the the international vibe i love the architecture um it's got a very neighborhoody feel to it and uh you know clean people riding bikes everywhere all the like you you get around by foot and bike and public transportation everything just works and uh for people that don't want to learn another language you can just basically speak english like there's a there's a lot of perks there and that's just like the main city and then you can get out to all these other amazing villages and towns and smaller cities that are all super well connected by public transportation i've got friends that live in utrecht and rotterdam for example and they're like yeah i go i go into you know amsterdam for dinner or i or i connect over to the hague for for uh work every day you know it's just like all yeah. so on, easy and on efficient that end, it, it helps that it's a tiny country so it's not difficult to get from one place to another uh, my husband and i we have a pretty retired lifestyle so we like calm we like slow so we're in a smaller town that's 20 minutes away from amsterdam it's called hilversum and it's like you can very easily go out on the street here and see no one for like half an hour because we're kind of in the suburbs as much as you can have suburbs in a town uh, with like 90,000 people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's like a suburb, but it's like a suburb, but it's like its own little town. I've actually had a, a, I have a Dutch friend who was recommending to me like, Hey, if you ever plan on moving there, don't, don't go into Amsterdam, go live in Hilversum because you can have like access to green and nature and parks and, and lots of natural beauty and be connected. Exactly. So Hilversum is actually, yeah, around the city, there's a nature reserve, like around the whole city. Um, and it's insanely beautiful. Your dog can run, you can take a walk, you can get a little bit of a rest from like the noise and the everything else. Uh, but also it's extremely family friendly and it's also, I would say it's international friendly. Uh, lots of people come here because there are international schools uh, for their kids from like the very young age up until I think high school. Um, and I, one thing I will say, it is a little bougie because there are all of the TV and radio stations are here and some movie studios like the universal and all of that. So there are very rich and posh parts of the town. And with that come like the slightly higher prices everywhere. Uh, it's obviously not as expensive as Amsterdam, not even close, uh, but it is, you know, a little more expensive than some other towns where you could uh, have lower rent and uh, yeah. What are, your, what are your thoughts on uh, on Utrecht? What do you think about Utrecht? I think it's such a wonderful historic city. Uh, and again, it's a city, but it's not that gigantic. I think also Utrecht has a very different energy than Amsterdam. Uh, because it's also a university city. I mean, there's a university in Amsterdam as well, but like in Utrecht, I think it's much more of a vital part of the culture. Uh, and also it's so easy to find, again, we're talking about the distances. It's so easy to find a wonderful bigger place in the suburbs of Utrecht in one of like the smaller uh, parts around it and just to still be in the city like in 10 minutes whenever you want to so I think uh, to each their own I would not live in Amsterdam that's for sure I have friends who live there and who love it and who really enjoy you know 
it's it's alive. It has the energy. It has all of those things. I like visiting, you know, from time to time. Not always. <laughs> That's the cool thing about the Netherlands, though, is you can have like like uh, let's just take those three places, right? So you've got Amsterdam, Hilversum, and and uh, and Utrecht, just just for example. I mean, there there's plenty of other places, but from I believe you know within thirty minutes, you could be between any of those by public transport. And so you could be living in Utrecht, which is one of the bigger cities in the Netherlands, and 20 minutes later be in the center of Amsterdam. And like, that would not be a big deal. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. So obviously people are currently, if you ask Dutch people, they will complain about the public transportation. Uh, especially they have different during expectations the than the rest of the world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Especially during the weekends. So what they do during the weekends is they work on the railroads on improving the infrastructure and all of those things. So you often have delays or canceled trains or whatever. For me personally, I would rather have things functioning for the other five days and then, you know, suffer through the maintenance uh, than, you know, have potholes in the streets and like all the other awful things that I'm very much used to. Um, so it, it is, you're totally right. It's about the expectations. Of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But there's I, also, I obviously cool. you have Rotterdam as well. Um, that's like a very, very big city. However, Rotterdam is a little more industrial in a way. It's obviously a very big um, harbor. Um, so it's a, the vibe is also a little different. And then the people are probably the most no-nonsense people um, out of the entire country. So the entire vibe is like very, very different. Uh, there are internationals living there. I think they take a little longer to adjust, especially if you also work there at a company in an office and all of that. Um, but we're talking about like most this uh, province called North Holland and then like this area around it. That is, I assume, I, I mean, most expats I know live around here just because it's the easiest. Everybody speaks English. It's uh, the standard is quite high. So it's I think it, it's a very privileged thing to say, but I think where people are not worried about money, they're a lot more relaxed and a lot more likely to accept you in their circle. And I think where the really uh, bad feelings towards foreigners come from is when people are struggling to find an apartment because, you know, prices are higher because expats are <laughs> renting apartments at, you know, very ramped up rates. And it's very easy to get into that, like, go back to your own country kind of thing. Here, like, sure, is, can it happen that you're going to meet someone with that kind of an opinion? Yes. But is it common? Not really. Um, and then there's obviously, like, the south of the country is a lot cheaper to live in. You also have Germany very close by. And in Germany, a lot of stuff is cheaper, both in supermarkets and in drugstores and stuff like that. Uh why we didn't choose to go to the South is because of the language, first of all. Um, it's here they speak the most standard Dutch that you can think of. So it was important for me that I can understand the person, you know, that's standing on the other side. Um, there they speak a different dialect or a few different dialects. Uh, and I, I saw that I'm not, I'm not vibing with that. It's, I can't even understand it. It's not working out for me. Uh, so that's one of the reasons. And the other reason is like more people speak English here. It's just easier to find your way around, even if you forget uh, all of the words in Dutch. 
that is helpful to know. Yeah. And, and to think about it in terms of like the North and the South, because I think people might, might think of it as, oh, it's a pretty small country. It's probably fairly it universal so all the way across. No. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very different. There are also provinces that have their own language. Um, and sure, you can find your way around with simple Dutch there. However, if you actually want to get integrated, you are going to need to speak at least some of their language. So yeah, it's, it's tough. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you in partnership with my friends over at Kona. Those of you that have been listening to the show for a long time know that I am a huge fan of the remote work movement. However, I also recognize it comes with some challenges. One of those challenges that plagues many remote teams is employee burnout or employee dissatisfaction with their jobs. This is really hard to monitor as a leader when your teammates are not sitting face to face with you in an office anymore. But that's what Kona was built to tackle and they've done a phenomenal job. The co-founders over there are friends and people who have truly built something to help people and help remote workers more specifically. So I love what they're doing. It makes a huge impact for their customers and I'm excited to partner with them here. You can find out more and get 15% off your team subscription by going to the link in the show notes and using the code CHASE at checkout. Feel free to ask me any questions. I highly recommend this product and am excited to hear what the About Abroad community thinks. Check out the link in the show notes and use the code CHASE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. If you've made it this far into the episode and you're still enjoying yourself, then I would love to ask a quick favor. Open up the app that you're using to listen to this podcast and leave a quick review. You can do this in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and really just about any platform that allows podcast listening now. If you can't find that in the interface of the app, then scroll down in the show notes and find ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, and you should be able to leave it from there. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest of the show. I'm I'm also curious, like, uh, maybe we could touch on some of the practicalities of making that move. Like, I don't want to go too, too deep because everybody's situation is unique, as you know, but since you're a specialist in, in helping people make the move to the Netherlands, like, maybe we could just kind of use like a hypothetical situation, like, let's say, me and in, in my situation, US passport, and or like, I also have your European residency. So we could kind of look at it from those two angles. What, what does, what are some bullet points? Let's go for the European residency. Um, so with a U.S. passport, you are going to need either a job that would be willing to sponsor your visa or getting a visa that's called DAFT, which means that you don't have to have this specific business idea and all of those things. Um, so uh, as you're probably aware, the Netherlands and the U.S. have a specific treaty that allows people to come to the Netherlands at specific terms. It's not the easiest thing, but it's not impossible. Lots of folks from the U.S. come over. The process takes a while, though, um, so it, it can be tricky. Just, just so people know, and just so you know, actually, I want to mention this because we'll drop the link in the show notes, but we actually did an episode a few seasons back specifically on the DAFT program. Um, we just talked about that for like an hour and you're right. It is very in depth. It is a path for Americans. So for the Americans listening, there's a link there in the show notes that we'll place that you can, you can go and dive deeper on that. If you want to start a business in the Netherlands, it's, it's a possibility, but setting that aside, we'll, we'll look at more generic situations here. (laughs) 
Yeah. So if we're talking about a person who needs a visa, so if you have, you know, an EU permanent residency, you don't need a specific visa. You can just basically come to the Netherlands uh, and live there. If your partner also has the EU residency, you're both fine. But if the partner does not, then they would need to start a process called um, authorization for EU person. Oh, let, let me look how look up how that's called because I always say something wrong. Yeah, we want to. We'll make sure we uh, we get it right, and people can use the Google machine too. <laughs> authorization against the EU law. I think pretty sure that's what it is. The process can, however, take up to six months, which is really annoying. Uh, but the good thing is they can just be there in the country, so in the Netherlands, um, until they get the decision. Um, for other people who might not be from an EU country or who might not have this type of a status, there are work visas, there are partnership visas, and they all take a different time to process. However, in most cases, you're going to be waiting for up to 90 days. So that's three months. The only exception that is kind of a, a common uh, scenario is a freelance visa. So if you want to come to the Netherlands to start your own business, they're a little more strict with that. They want to make sure you have a really good business plan. They want to make sure you're going to be um, beneficial to the Dutch economy, as we mentioned before. And that they do as care you can, about like, money. <laughs> now, as I'm talking about it, like, how do you think they measure that objectively? How beneficial you're going to be to the economy? The answer is they don't. It's a subjective thing. <laughs> you have to put a good spin on your business that says, this is how I'm boosting, you know, the Dutch economy and the profits and all of those things. Um, and it can be very different things. So you have to get creative there, um, especially if your company is kind of new or not established and you don't have, you know, hundreds of thousands of euros in profits already. <laughs> Um, but that one can take up to six months because they can keep asking you for more information and for more explanations and for yeah, going back and forth. And that one probably has the worst um, approval rate. So not impossible if you want to come and start your own little solo uh, proprietor business, but it can be a little tough and a little complicated. Um, for you, it's really... Um, finding a place to live, coming over and finishing and completing the registration steps. There is kind of five basic things you need to make sure to do when you get here. Um, one is get registered at a municipality. And this is super, super important uh, because that allows you to then get your BSN and the BSN is your social security number. You need your social security number for everything for basically anything that is interacting with the government, anything that is, you know, maybe getting a mortgage, opening a bank account, you need it for everything. This is a unique thing for a lot of people too, by the way. That's a, like, I think some people might be wondering, I don't know, depends on where you're from, but like, for example, in the US, you don't use your social security much for, your social security number much for anything. Like it's, it's a very private thing. Um, you know, it's like, it's only on like super official documents, but um, in a lot of European countries, you use the equivalent of that. In Spain, it's called an NIE number. Um, you use that that NIE number for like everything. Like when you call to, I don't know, validate your, they call your cell phone company, you know, like they'll ask you, they'll verify you by using your NIE number. And you're like, 
seems very private, but uh, yeah, they um, won't ask you for that. You do need to keep it private. However, you do need it. Like it's between you and the government, so it's for most of those kind of things. Okay, if so maybe more private than in Spain. You, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you also use it to open something that I never can pronounce and I use it every day. It's called DGD or the Dutch say DGD. Um, it's basically a little virtual token for you to sign into all the government portals. You can't create it without having a social security number. And then with this thing, you basically log in to sort out your taxes. You log in to uh, register with a doctor, You like everything that has anything a little more official uh, in it. So that's kind of why you need your social security number, among other things. Um, yeah. You also need to make sure that your dog is registered. Uh, and it's a sort of a new thing as of the last year and a half or something like that. Um, all dogs coming from abroad have to be registered within the first two weeks. So. You just have to make sure that they're microchipped and they're like, it's it's your dog. Uh, one other thing that's <laughs> maybe different for the Netherlands when it comes to people with pets, if you have a dog, it is quite likely you will pay dog tax. Um, and a lot of people are surprised when I say that. If you have a cat, there's no cat tax, but there is dog tax in some municipalities, not all of them. Um, it's a yearly fee that you pay. Uh, I pay around 70 euros uh, per year. Um, my dog does not work back, you know, to earn us that money. Unfortunately, we're going to have to put her to work. Um, <laughs> but the averages are kind of from 50 to 100 euros per year. So, yeah, just count on that cost. That's the first I've ever heard of that. Yeah, have this discussion with your dog about how he can start making some of that back. There's a there's a lot of, uh, or I don't know if there's a lot of them, but I, that's the second or third one that I've heard of that's kind of like fairly unique, I guess, I, um, because I also, like I have a camper van, for example, and it's a, a diesel camper van. And so I believe the Netherlands puts a, a hefty tax on certain vehicles and diesel vehicles. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I don't know what the exact uh, prices and fees are, to be honest, but it, it is expensive to have a car in the Netherlands in the first place, even if it's an electric car, because you're going to be paying monthly tax on top of everything else. You know, you need your gas or you need your electricity to, to charge your engine or your battery, sorry, I don't want to be technically incorrect here. Um, you're going to need to, like, maybe you need parking um, fees or whatever, depending on where you live. And then you also have the, I think it's bi-yearly or it's once per year, you need to go through the examination of your car and making sure everything is in order and all of that and like getting new tires and all of that. Uh, and then on top of that, you have a monthly tax to be allowed to have your car and it depends on the size of the car and then obviously if it's an electric car or a diesel or which one it is so i think you people need to think really well before they decide whether they need a car or not um lots of people have them uh the government is actively discouraging you obviously from having them so yeah it depends on your needs i think um where i see people really need a car is when they have kids and especially if they're in a little bit more of an isolated area. So like if you're in a village, you're probably going to need a car to get 
places. Um, there is public transportation. However, I think most people are used to the convenience of being able to go and come back whenever you want. Um, I don't have a car right now. I don't need a car. Uh, I think it works perfect for me. And it's also, I think it's it takes so much thought, like where am I going to park? What am I going to do? Especially if you don't have a garage. And then in order to have a garage, you either need to have lots of luck with finding the apartment or the house, or you need to get one. And then there's like, a whole issue with real estate in the first place and with housing and with all of those things. So it's like too many things focus on the problems you want to solve. <laughs> where, where do you go to find stuff like that? Uh, is there an app or a website that people tend to use? Oh my God. There are so many sources to be honest. So, so many sources and not all of them are accurate. So a lot of the sources will have to be low specific you know, to where you are planning to move. And then obviously to find costs for a car, you're going to have to have in mind like which type of a car it is. And then if you're importing a car, that's a different, you know, if you want to come with your car. Oh, yeah, yeah, there. totally. What what about like housing and like, you know, apartments, uh, rentals, buying, uh, sometimes like parking spaces are also available in these. Is there anywhere in particular people could look to kind of get a feel for what that would look like? So there are a few of the most popular websites where everything is in terms of housing. The most popular one is probably Funda NL. Um, we can leave that as a link. All of the real estate that is being sold or rented is pretty much there. And then you can filter it by having a parking spot available. Uh, so in Hilversum specifically, you have... Uh, free parking available in a lot of places, residential areas, like in front of my building, you can just park freely um, at any time, which is great. But then it's also like you fight with other people who might not live here <laughs> for the spaces, for the limited spaces. So yeah, it's definitely a consideration and it really is going to depend on your personal situation. Um, it's, it's also important to think, so we said dog tax is something non-typical for other countries. Another non-typical thing is that if you are coming to the Netherlands, you must have health insurance, and that means your own health insurance policy. Uh, coming from Serbia, even, I'm very used to uh, health insurance being something your employer provides. It's like just a regular social security deduction, and that's it. If you want to pay for a private one, you can do it, but like it's fine. No, in the Netherlands, every single individual needs to have health insurance. Uh, like at least a basic policy. And if you don't have enough income, the government will give you uh, an allowance to pay for it. Uh, so after that, you can like add some add-ons on it. So like the basic is what covers the basics, you going to a general practitioner and like getting the very basic things done and getting a full checkup yearly is not a basic thing. Just FYI, prevention does not exist here. <laughs> Yeah, we're all about fixing the problem once it occurs, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there, right? <laughs> That's kind of interesting, though, because like, well, well, hold on. So, two part question: is it is it? Would you say it's relatively expensive? Um, and and I know that can be subjective, but like, are we talking fifty euros, a thousand euros? Like the per the basic package per month is eighty to a hundred euros, depending on the provider. And then anything you want to add onto it is obviously extra. I'm personally paying around 150 
And that's with extra stuff for like vision because I wear glasses and extra dental um, things. And then what else? Uh, like a gynecologist and I don't know, all of those things that could uh, come up. So it's yeah. so interesting how this can this can sound there's people listening to this from different corners of the world who are thinking totally different things right now. Um, some are thinking that's ridiculous. Uh, that that I would why would you pay for that? The government's supposed to provide that. I, that's part of my taxes. And then there's other people saying that's ridiculous. 150 euros? That's nothing. I pay a thousand a month um, in, in my country. So it just it really does just depend. But I do find it kind of interesting because taxes are pretty high in the Netherlands. And so um, I, it's, it's always, it's not very useful. I think like a lot of people will ask about tax rates in different countries. I don't think it's useful because it depends so much on your individual situation. But generally speaking, you know, it's, a, it's a high taxing Western country. Um, and even for Europe, there's some of the higher taxes in the, in the, uh, in the EU, but you expect some things in return for that. Um, now those, those, you know, doctors and hospitals are somewhat subsidized. I imagine by that, that's how you're able to get full health insurance for a hundred euros a month. Um, but, but even still like to, to think some people are going, well, I'm already paying for that in my taxes. Why am I paying for it extra? So, um, anyway, it's something to good to be to be aware of, I think, for people as you're, you know, calculating what your budget will be. I think taxes are a lot. Uh, that's true. However, again, I think it depends on your expectations. For me, coming from Serbia, I'm like, I am just going to pay for whatever I need to pay because a things are predictable. Like I know how much I need to pay at the end of the year, and like I did not have that experience previously. It's always a surprise. Um, and then on the other end, most things work. Like, sure, some things don't work and you have to wait long for like appointments with specialists sometimes. And like there's there's a lot that isn't perfect, but most things work and I have no issue paying for this. And I think it's also good if you're starting a business uh, and if you're like a sole proprietor or you have a partnership like what we have um, in the first three years, there are subsidies and there are different options that can um, get your income tax down to like 20%, which is not that bad. Honestly, not that bad when you look at other tax rates. Yeah. It obviously also depends then on, on your personal situation and you can't be employed and like there's, yeah, you need a good accountant. That's the bottom line for me. <laughs> do you have, do you have uh, like, do you personally in your professional world, like I know you're not a tax person, but if someone were to hire you to help them with the move? Like, can you also connect them with a, with a tax person? Absolutely. And we also uh, recently started working with a wonderful um, tax company that does specializes in US tax returns and like the whole, like if you're in the Netherlands and you also need to, you're a US citizen, obviously you're tied to it forever, right? So they can help navigate all those. Yeah, they can help navigate all those complexities as well. But in general, what I suggest to everyone moving to the Netherlands, if you can, I know it sounds like a very privileged attitude here, but if you can like get people to do things for you uh, for the number of years, because my husband has had a residency here for seven or eight years, we've always had an accountant do our tax reporting. I don't want to end up in jail. I think that peace of mind is, you know, priceless. And also the accountant finds us so many ways to save money. So he basically pays for himself at the end of the year. 
um, when we were buying an apartment, we had a mortgage advisor, we had a real estate agent, and without those two people, I would not have gotten in to do what we've done. Um, so if you can just pay people to do things for you, honestly. Yeah, it's one of the mottos of this show is like outsource your weaknesses and, and hire the pros. Like when it come when it comes to this, is this is a weakness for you if you don't do this as a profession. Uh, moving abroad and taxes in foreign countries and uh, visas and all this paperwork is you'll save so much. Like it, it, it comes with a fee, but you know, that fee is, is worth it 10 X. So um, I always recommend it. And it's why I like bringing professionals like yourself on who can speak to this and, and who can be a resource for the audience because it's, I mean, it, it's inevitable. You will need to lean on someone who knows the system. Yeah, I've done everything by myself two and a half years ago when we moved. And I can tell you confidently, you can do everything by yourself. <laughs> and it was also probably the most stressful time of my life so far, because I triple checked every piece of you know documentation before we sent it in, because again, I did not want to end up in jail. Um, and that's kind of the, the motto there. Let's not end up in jail. Let's not, that's your, uh, that's the tagline of your business, right? <laughs> Move to Netherlands and don't end we up in jail. We will help you not end up in jail. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, I, I wanted to keep this pretty high level because as we've already discussed, like it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very nuanced for each individual, but I think you've, you've given some good tips for people who, if you're listening to this and you're already kind of interested in the Netherlands, I mean, as we say that the tagline for the Netherlands is it works and, uh, and it's got, it's got a great quality of life. Um, awesome people, beautiful cities. You can jump off to a lot of different places around the world from there. And so I think there's a, a ton to love. And I, and I know for a fact, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago that touched on the Netherlands. And whenever I've touched on the Netherlands before, I get a lot of outreach from people saying, you know, you know, like, yeah, I'm interested in the Netherlands. we how do, how do I do it? Um, is it possible? And, and the thing is, is just most of us don't know that there are options to get into specific places. Um, it just depends on where you're from and your, and all the factors that are going into your life. So, um, again, speak with a professional. We'll have, uh, Jelena's information in the, uh, in the show notes so you can reach out and, and ask more questions if you want to, but I hope this provided some, some high level context for people that are, that are interested. Um, do you feel like we, we missed any any bullet points that we should touch on, or did we cover oh, it gosh, decently? There are so 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 many little things, uh, obviously, that come to mind. But we did spend a lot of time talking about the cultural uh, aspect of it, and I think that's super valuable. Um, so maybe what I can leave as a resource is we do have a little starter kit for when you move to the Netherlands for the things that we didn't manage to touch on, like making sure you open a bank account and making sure you select uh, your general practitioner because that's also a thing you need to select your doctor and they need to be in your neighborhood so lots of things to think about um i can leave a link to that uh, starter kit um for the listeners to take a look at if they're actually interested in um stressing themselves out and making this move <laughs> yeah moving abroad is never easy it's not for the the faint of heart for for sure um it's a privilege for a lot of us for some people it's a, a necessity literally like you know they're they're escaping something pretty detrimental but for a lot of people it is just like a privilege or something that they want to do and um if you're if you're in the position to to do so and you're exploring this then like again looking for someone that can that can help you do it and navigate though those 
those little nuances is is so important. So um, yeah, so feel free yeah. to ping me on LinkedIn. I would be happy to connect. Okay, cool. And what's the uh, URL for the for the website? We'll also place this in the yeah. Show notes. It's move to nl dot com. Super um, straightforward. Exactly. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram. Uh, we share some uh, short videos about random things you need to know. So if you want to see more of my face and my partner Chris's face as well. Um, feel free to hop over there as well. But um, LinkedIn, I share lots of stories and uh, things that are happening to me. So maybe you can get a bit of an insight into how it really is uh, I, because I don't sugarcoat things. I love that. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed that following your content. Like you're like, you know, you're showing how it really is not making it look like it's just this picture perfect place to live. It's like, yeah, this is yeah. reality and, and no place is perfect. So um, thanks for that, that raw authenticity. It's definitely appreciated. Yeah. Oh, I'm here for that. <laughs> so hopefully. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, definitely enjoyed this. I, I know the audience did as well. And, um, again, all those links will be in the show notes. So, um, reach out if you guys need more information and, uh, yeah, thanks. Hope to, hope to see you up in the Netherlands soon. Thank you. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.